Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode uh, 492 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for uh, February 11th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple has reduced a long-time iPhone flaw, Google might try its hand at video games, and Charter wants to improve your internet speed. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be uh, Facebook or Twitter or Google+, or of course the podcast services, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music Play Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcasters like Stitcher or TuneIn, um, our live stream partners, which is a long list, including Livestream, uh, Mixer, Periscope, Twitch, and YouTube Live, or of course on our apps, plugitslive.com slash apps. Uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. This here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plugits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for about an hour. We talk about the latest news in gadgets, gaming, internet, and media. There are two ways that you can join us. The first is live on Sunday nights, and that's by going to f5live.tv slash join us. From there, you can chat with us here in the studio. Um, Tonight, the chat rooms that we are uh, actively monitoring will be uh, Mixer, Live... Nope, yes, Mixer, Twitch, and Livestream. So uh, definitely uh, join us uh, over there if you can. But if you can't, that is okay. You can always go to plugitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you can see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, in which Avram will be talking uh, in a little bit about kind of do's and don'ts when configuring your own laptop. Um, And then our special events feed, which there are four more CES uh, episodes to be published, two tomorrow being Monday and two on Tuesday. Um, And then we have a special interview that will be published uh, in the near future, which is a uh, a personal kind of tech exclusive walkthrough of the new uh, Defense Works uh, facility in Las Vegas which uh, opened or uh, had its uh, debut during CES and the vice president was there. If, if you were at CES and you know that transportation sucked one day, it's because the vice president was in town for this event. And so uh, <laughs> we'll bring that to you in the very near future. It was pretty cool to get to be there. And then um, our other shows like uh, the new product Launchpad, we've got a new series coming there, uh, the 3000 Brigade podcast and a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, and I guess that is the spiel. Avram, how are you doing? All right. Oh, it's, it's been a long week. Has but, it? Uh, yeah, it's been a long week, although, you know, a quiet week, but lots of time spent spent programming. I uh, developed my first Universal Windows uh, UWP app this week. So, um, you know, that was a challenge. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, it and, um, and I didn't get any messages from you going, hey, how do I do this? So it, I was going so you did I pretty had well. Thoughts, 
I had thoughts to do it, but I didn't want to bother you. Uh, and I want to see if I could figure it out. Sure. The main, the main annoyance that I had with it, and still find this really super annoying, is that you cannot, you cannot sideload the app onto a Windows 10s computer. There's no, to my knowledge, there's no way to test something on Windows 10s unless you've already put it into the store. Yeah, I believe that to be correct. Which is absolutely crazy that you, you know, that you cannot test on the hardware that you want to um, to support, basically. I'd have I haven't been into the settings on a Windows 10s computer. There's there's no developer mode. Okay. There's no developer mode. Microsoft's own advice is to just take the settings in regular Windows 10 and make it really hard to install programs. That's what they call testing on Windows 10s. You know, it's uh, it's a little crazy. For the to to, to put it for our audience, uh, a story that we're working on, and it caused me to have to develop a new version of our battery test. Uh, so, our laptop mag battery test, we've we've had versions of for for many years. We want to do a story about how the bat testing battery life in Windows 10s versus Windows 10 uh, on the same computer. So. It, for Windows 10s, you cannot just install a regular program. We cannot install our battery test, which is written as a regular, you know, Win32 app. So you have to make it as a universal Windows app. But not only do you have to do that, you cannot just take a developer, cannot just take an app that they're working on and have not like published to the store, to the public store, and um, and try it on a and, and test it on a Windows 10s laptop. The only way to, to do it is to put your make your app in reasonable enough condition to get it approved in the store, and then go to a Windows 10s laptop and download it. Now, what you can do is you can make your app private, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, people around the world will not stumble onto an app that I just want to use on five computers in my lab, but um, Nevertheless, it's really annoying, and it took 36 hours after I uploaded for it to publish. So, And there was some doubt about whether it would, because maybe Microsoft would look at it and be like, well, I don't want this battery test. Why would I want this in my Windows Store? Well, I didn't make it for the public, and this is the only way to install it. So I don't know. That's my long way of saying, wow, Windows 10S is a pain in the butt. Uh, But... Uh, some of the news that came out this week uh-huh. is that Microsoft's trying to push it even harder. Yep. They're making it a mode that they're going to try and put it on. I think this implies that they're going to try and put it on more laptops. They're going to try and push this even harder because it is to Microsoft's advantage that you run Windows 10 S because that means that you're stuck with their store and only things that are in the store can you can you install and only and you can only use edge browser so um you know that that obviously is to microsoft's great advantage uh so of course they want to push it they claim that well because you're not installing any other types of apps than those that we've improved in the store your battery life will be better i find this claim a little hard to believe because it's really just a claim about don't install software. But 
to put this claim to the test, we are I have developed a version of my battery test that is a UWP app, and we are going to run it on the same computers uh, several times. Then we're going to upgrade them to regular Windows 10, and then we're going to run it again. That's so, a that's a smart idea. You know, so I mean, it's something we could have done months ago. It's just I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't have the take the time to like build a new app for it. But this week I did it uh, and we bought a bunch of Windows 10 S computers. So it's not just going to be one. We're going to be doing this on three different laptops. So, uh, you know, we should be able to have a pretty definitive answer about, um, about that. That's awesome. Uh, okay. I mean, take a few days cause we got to run the battery test sure. a whole bunch of a times. Whole bunch of times. <laughs> I mean, it's one time should be enough. Our battery test doesn't have uh, deltas from one run to another, but because this is because I recoded the battery test uh-huh. from scratch for this, right. we will we will do it three times to make sure that there's not dramatic uh, delta between one, two, and three. Uh, let's say uh, before we we upgrade them and do it again because it's really hard to uh, to downgrade back to Windows 10 S once you've upgraded. Sure. Yeah, that's for <laughs> that's we did we did on one laptop to get back to where it is now, and it it was a real pain in the butt. Several took several hours, so I wouldn't, you know, once you leave Windows 10s, you probably don't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. It, why you would want to come back is a really good question too, because like you know, yeah, why you would want to be there in the first place is you know also a question. Well, but uh, you, that's you, another story. You may not, but an IT manager for a school or something might. But anyway, that's yeah. that's an interesting that's an interesting thing. I can't I can't wait to hear the results of that. Um, and we well, should have that for you next week. Awesome. So while you've been working on that, I have been working on a story that you and I talked about two weeks ago <laughs> um, about. Uh, the value of doing uh, drive-by crypto mining and how long it takes to justify the expense. And uh, so that's obviously that's a complex, <laughs> a complex topic that, uh, that I'm working on. Um, I'm going to be asking our viewers to help out with a bit of a tech survey in the next uh, couple of days. I've been putting that together now. It involves our own drive-by crypto mining thing uh, in as part of the survey to find out what the average turnaround is for people just going to a thing. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm using the same software that 90% of uh, those drive-bys are using. So that should be a lot of fun. That probably won't be next week. That'll probably be in two. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... We're both working on some cool stuff for the future, which uh, I'm looking forward to on both. And uh, anyway, I guess with that, let's get into the news of the week. How's that sound? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you are looking for a tablet, a laptop, uh, the Surface Studio, which is obviously a specialized device, Office 365, 
uh, Xbox games, Windows Store apps, Mixed Reality or the Harmon Carden Invoked. They've got a little bit of everything with a lot of stuff on sale right now. A couple of models of the Surface are on sale. There are some laptops that currently have up to $1,000 off. Uh, and uh, obviously a lot of deals. And you can find some of those best deals by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um, obviously we have talked a little bit in the past about, and we will continue to talk about tonight, the interesting uh, behavior out of Apple over a couple of their previous iPhones and the fact that uh, 6, 6S, and 7 devices, as they aged, uh, Apple started to throttle the performance of the device, claiming that um, there was a power management something that when the battery started to get older, uh, the phones would just randomly turn off. Now, that's bizarre, as Avram and I have, have talked about, because, you know, there have been uh, smartphones dating back to uh, technically the late 90s, um, but uh, the early 2000s is when, you know, uh, BlackBerry and Palm and Microsoft really took off with smartphones. All of them had them. So there was Windows CE and Windows Mobile, uh, Palm OS, Web OS, BlackBerry OS, um, let's see, Symbian, Sy Sailfish came after. All of the never had this problem until now, uh, despite Apple saying that it's a ubiquitous problem. I think that's similar to them blaming BlackBerry for teaching you to hold your phone wrong on the iPhone 4. Anyway, this week something interesting happened. Uh, iOS 11.3 came out in one of its betas, and in that beta came the settings to be able to disable the throttling on older devices. Um, the battery health setting or something like that. In there, you can see what the maximum charge potential is for your battery, which is actually kind of an interesting statistic. Um, I've got a, a 6S Plus that it, it said 85% of the battery was still good, which means 15% has gone bad, which is actually kind of an interesting statistic. Um, but along with that, of course, comes release notes. And with those release notes comes information. And the information is that the 8, 8 Plus, and X will not be affected by the throttling, which is kind of interesting. I don't know whether that means <laughs> that they have fixed the underlying problem or, or what in the thing they claim that their hardware power management system has changed since uh, the iPhone 7 to the 8, which means that, me uh, that means that they've known that there was a, a flaw in their hardware for a couple of generations and tried to fix it by not telling anybody? That's kind of a weird behavior. Uh, or they realized this would hurt sales of the new phones, so <laughs> they're not going to do it to the new phones. That could be. Um, obviously, we, have, we, we saw their, their uh, quarterly numbers and their iPhone sales are down. Um, so, uh, numerically, there is some, uh, possibility to that, to that theory. 
obviously the I mean, high price of the X and the uninteresting. They can always do it later. They can always do it later. This is a software thing. They can always do it later. Absolutely, they can. Also, there's no need for them to do it now because the, the rationalization, the, the justification for doing it was that the batteries are getting old and therefore we're trying to save your battery by not by throttling down your CPU. Sure. But the 8 just came out in September, right? Right. And so, and the 10 has been. I don't even. When did the ten roll out? October, November. Something so like how that. many? So the oldest phones of those are like six months old, are not even six months old. True. So why would they? Th- so of course they're not throttling. They better not be throttling them. Their bad batteries better not be bad after six months. But what they're saying is that that they will not have to throttle these devices in the future. Um, I believe I have the quote here in front of me. Um, as a result, uh, the impacts of performance management may be less noticeable on iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and X. Over time, the rechargeable batteries in all iPhone models will diminish. Uh, that's not related. Uh, uh, iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and X models use a different advanced hardware and software design that provides a more accurate estimation of both power needs and the battery's power capability to maximize overall system performance as a result the impacts of performance so what they're saying is they've they've fixed what they've replaced the power management system and basically they're saying that they used to get their system used to lie to them about how much power was left and that's why batteries would turn their phones would turn off just kind of an interesting ah uh interesting assertion uh <laughs> but it it's definitely interesting um i'm glad i've so so the first reports of devices shutting off happened before the sevens came out uh so they wouldn't have had enough time just before the sevens came out so they wouldn't have had enough time to make a hardware a major hardware change in time for the sevens but since they've since they've known that the devices are starting to shut off, at least this is basically saying, from the time we knew that the problem existed, we've been working to fix it. So that's good. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good PR, I guess. For sure. You know, <laughs> but well, we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, if they were planning to throttle those those phones. They uh, they probably have to change that plan now because it's it looks very bad for them now, right? Yeah, so for sure. Now, yeah, it, I could still it may see just, it may just be them saying we're not doing it to this one because things are better, and it's all like you said, it's all more about PR than anything. Yeah, but you know, I mean, who could say? I mean, uh, obviously. Apple had their reasons for throttling those phones. Uh, you know, it's, I guess what people will, will see is, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people who were skeptical of Apple's reasoning were thought, hey, this is kind of a planned obsolescence. Like we're trying to, we're throttling the phone so that we say we're throttling the phone because we're trying to save your, your battery. Uh, but, we could, but on the other hand, this gives you an incentive to buy a new phone. Right. 
But once that was revealed, it gave people incentive to buy a battery, which is a lot cheaper than buying a whole new phone. Um, so, especially after they discounted the price of the battery, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's bad. You know that was very bad PR for them. And uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I mean, you, you know, we hope to take them at their word, but it doesn't. Sure. It doesn't look good that they never that people had to find out they were doing this. Indeed. Yeah, they they certainly didn't think that anybody was going to to figure it out. Obviously, or they would have announced that they were doing it and not yeah. kept it secret. Which I think was the fact that they never announced and didn't put any settings or notifications that they were starting to do this is where a lot of the the conspiracy concerns came from. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, obviously, there's no way of knowing today what their future plans actually are. We only have we only have them at their word that this is what's what their plans are. Um, it'll be a year or longer before the throttling would go into uh, would go into effect. So, um, obviously. There are sites that are going to regularly test the performance of devices uh, since that's how uh, the scheme was found in the first place. Uh, those sites will continue to run those tests on new devices to make sure that this isn't just them saying, we're not doing it on the new devices and then doing it anyway. But it's it's a year or more before it would go into effect anyway, so who knows what happens in 12 months. You know, anytime there's a, a shakeup in the company, plans change, and, you know, you never know. In a year, Tim Cook might not be CEO. You never know. Who knows? So, yeah. Uh, so, but right now, this is what they're saying. We'll see what the future holds. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster. The headphones on my head, the Monster DNAs, um, and a wide variety of other. These are on-ear. They also offer uh, headphones in over-ear, like the elements that I normally wear, or in-ears, including uh, the iSports and the new element and iSport Air links, which are true wireless Bluetooth, which are really nice. And of course, the whole new line of Bluetooth speakers, including the Superstar S100, 200, 300, 400, and the Monster Blaster are all available at the all new Monster website by going to plughitslive.com slash monster. And of course, that music means that it's time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. And Abram has got uh, a really great topic for us this week. Uh, we're going to talk about what is a good idea and not a good idea when configuring a laptop, right? Yeah, actually, these this advice will go for desktops too if you're if you're buying one. Um, if now, 
you know, it's it's less common these days than it was in the past to be able to go to a website and say, make my computer exactly this way. I want this much RAM. I want this type of storage drive. I want this CPU. I want this, you know, I want this graphics card. I want this screen. Like, it's, it's less common and the choices are fewer than they were in years past. But... There still are several sites where you could do this. Uh, Dell, Lenovo, and HP all, if you buy through their websites, offer the ability to, on at least some of their models, to custom configure them. And even if you're not, per se, like getting a menu where you could pick, I want 8 gigs of RAM and I want a 256 gig SSD or something, you still have choices of different configurations that are pre-made. And so this advice should help you choosing uh, amongst those. Uh, so there are a few different specs that are really key for somebody to look at, and you always have to balance price with, uh, you know, with performance. So, you know, my general advice for the CPU is to simply put, get a Core i5, uh, unless you're buying a gaming notebook um, or a gaming desktop. Core i5 whether you're getting a ultra slim device like a like a Core i5 U series ultrabook or you're getting you know or you're getting a somewhat thicker device i mean mo- in the case of laptops most are you know what we call U series processors the difference between a Core i5 and a Core i7 in price might be 100 or 150 dollars in performance it's it's very very small so Core i5 should be good enough for most people. When you talk, now, obviously, in terms of budget, if people are buying a laptop or a desktop that's, say, under $400, you know, then Core i5 is hard to come by. You'll have to settle for a Core i3 uh, or perhaps even a, a Celeron. But uh, if you're spending that kind of money, then, then you don't really get a great choice of CPUs. If you're spending more than 400 bucks, you should expect and count on getting a Core i5. Uh, in terms of RAM, in terms of the memory, 8 gigabytes right now is the sweet spot in terms of price and affordability. 4 is too little for most people. You're multitasking. You've got several tabs open in your browser. It doesn't. E- you don't have to be, uh, you know, huge, you know, a video professional video editor to 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 need 8 gigs of RAM. Now, if you're a really intense worker. Maybe it's worth it for you to spend the extra to get 16 gigs of RAM, but typically, and if you're buying, uh, typically the additional cost is 100 to 150 dollars more to move from 8 to 16. So that's a cost that you you can you know avoid. Um, when you're looking at the storage uh, in your laptop, your hard drive or SSD, uh, our advice which is not surprising to anyone who's listened to me for any length of time or read my articles for any length of time is that you should always buy an SSD over a hard drive. Uh, if you're spending more than six or $700 on a laptop you, or, or on a desktop, you should be able to get an SSD. Now, you, as far as the capacity goes, two, you should not get less than 256 gigs. 512 would be nice to get uh, to get a larger size like 512 gigabytes would be nice 
but that can add significantly to the cost. If you're buying a device, a laptop or a desktop that is user upgradable, you could say, and you feel comfortable upgrading your own storage, then you could buy it with a hard drive or the lowest, you know, smallest SSD and buy one on the, buy a third party uh, storage device on the aftermarket at a site like Amazon or Newegg. And you could save yourself quite a bit of money because there you can get the whole 512 gigabyte drive for like 130 to 150 bucks if it's on sale. So, mm -hmm. but nevertheless, you want a, at least a 256 and you want an SSD. Um, another couple of things just to keep in mind, uh, you definitely want your screen to be at least 1920 by 1080. That's uh, that's no shocker, as we've talked about that a lot on, <laughs> before on this show. Uh, For years, it's worth it's worth spending extra fifty, a hundred dollars extra, uh, or, or or even more than that to go up from the, the minuscule thirteen sixty six displays. If you're on a desktop, you really won't get any less than that anyway than a ten eighty p display. You don't unless you're you're really doing a lot of media consumption. You really want to just absolutely or your professional photo editor, you don't necessarily have to go higher resolution than 1080p. Um, and uh, finally, uh, your, a, a, do you want a discrete graphics card? You will want a discrete graphics card if you're gaming or if you're doing graphics work. However, if you are not, or you're just playing some casual games, you probably don't want to spend extra to get discrete graphics. If you are getting discrete graphics, moving, getting the lowest level of discrete graphics, which right now is an NVIDIA uh, 150MX graphics chip, probably isn't worth the money because it's not going to give you enough of a performance boost to get you playing games. Uh, you should The minimum uh, you should get is NVIDIA GTX 1050, and if you want to do VR, like with an Oculus, uh, you'll need a GTX 1060. Uh, so that's that's your discrete graphics. Uh, we cover a couple more uh, configuration, a couple more options, like the battery and the Wi-Fi card, uh, in my article on laptopmag.com, which you can check out tomorrow. How to configure your your laptop. But uh, I just wanted to to mention that because there's. There's, you know, these are some of the really important choices that you have to make when shopping for a computer, whether it's a laptop, a desktop, or an all-in-one. You want to make sure that you're you're spending your money wisely. Absolutely, because you don't want to you don't want to end up spending money on something that isn't going to make things better for you. When if you need to configure, for example. Uh, more RAM or you, that the $50 difference between, you know, feature A and feature B could be used to upgrade your monitor, your screen on your laptop instead. Obviously, there are better ways to put your money to use. Yeah. In order of importance, uh, in order of importance, screen, SSD, processor, RAM, or maybe screen SSD RAM processor. RAM and processor, I guess you could go either way. But I would say the processor is actually, you know, if you don't have a nice screen, you're going to notice no matter how, how um, 
little you're doing on the computer, right? right? Yeah, no matter, you don't no matter what you're using it for. You know, you could be watching Netflix. You can watch Netflix just fine on the Celeron, on the lowest end processor. But if your screen is, is bad, you'll notice. Yeah. And, and, and SSD affects the most important parts of your performance, which is booting, opening apps, opening files, switching tasks. When you're using a mechanical hard drive, all those things are just infinitely slower. Yeah. So, you know, the two most important things are the screen and the storage before you look at the processor or the RAM. Absolutely. Um, and as evidence of all of this, Avram, the computer that you are on right now here in the studio, we we actually downgraded the quality of the processor because we went from a, a full desktop actually to a stick computer behind behind the television that you're on. Uh, for those of you who are watching live and not uh, the recorded split screen, the screen that Avram's on next to me here, we actually are using a little stick computer that we got on Prime Day for like 55 bucks down from like a six or $700 desktop. And the performance on your new machine versus the old one is so much better um, because partially because we went from, you know, a spinning drive to, to flash storage in the, in the stick. Um, but, you know, obviously there's some other considerations too, but, you know, our, our RAM went down, our processor went down, but the system runs better. <laughs> wow, so, I didn't realize I was on such a cheap machine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> it, it was the best decision ever. It works so much better, and now you can come with us, which you couldn't before. <laughs> kind of a cool capability. Anyway, I feel like Max Headroom now. <laughs> uh yeah, except you're not going to uh, get hacked into a national broadcast for three and a half minutes. <laughs> One of my favorite tech things in history. Anyway, uh, as always, Avram, thank you. Uh, your your advice helps a lot of people in their buying decisions. You said that this will be available on Monday? It'll be available on Monday on LaptopMag.com. So check us out there for all of our, all of our laptop advice. And check out Tom'sGuide.com for all of our other electronic buying advice for desktops, phones, and everything else. Fantastic. And we mentioned at the top of, the, uh, of F5 Live that you're, you just redid the battery test for a laptop mag because you've got a cool story coming soon there too, right? Yep. We'll probably talk about it on the next show. Fantastic. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, until then, I guess, uh, that is the Pilch Point. week's extra life on f5 live is proudly powered by razor all of the gaming accessories and uh hardware that you need to uh to up your game whether it be uh a keyboard or a mouse the the new razor phone a good usb mic or um a full laptop like the uh 
the Razor Blade uh, series. And we've, there's also, just to throw it out there, they've got their Project Linda, which is a fascinating concept uh, that they showed off at CES this year, which we've got uh, an interview about at uh, plugkidslive.com slash CES. But to find out about all of the current products that they sell and uh, some of the deals that are going on right now, you can do that by going to f5live.tv slash razor. So, um, this one was a surprise for me this week, mostly because this rumor popped up a number of years ago and it was thrown away as nonsense, um, but may not be the nonsense that we thought it was. It looks like Google might be interested in getting into video games in a different way. Obviously, we all know that Google owns YouTube, and YouTube has YouTube gaming, and that's uh, trying to be a competitor for Twitch. Um, and it's not doing a great job of it, but they're trying. Um, but they want to go the other direction. They want to stream computer uh, games from them to you instead of the other way around. We've seen services like this before. Um, in fact, we've seen a lot of services like this before over the years. The uh, Probably the most famous of them was uh, OnLive, who uh, failed spectacularly three or four times as they kept getting bought and relaunched and collapsed again. Uh, OnLive almost took down Gamefly at one point. Uh, it's, it's been a rocky road for game streaming. The only real success in the industry uh, required an acquisition by Sony to be able to pull off. And it's PlayStation Now. It used to have another uh, name. But it's known as PlayStation Now today. And even that service is questionable because it relies on a back catalog, nothing new. We don't quite know what Google wants to do here. It's possible that they want to... I, I don't know. Do they want to do Android games? Do they want to try and do AAA titles and have exclusives? Do they want to do it to PC or Android or... Chrome OS, but they want to try and build their own hardware, which has been a rocky road for Google as well. Um, you know, what could they possibly want to do here? And do they stand a chance against the the big three today? What do you think, Avram? Well, let's not rule out NVIDIA here. I mean... Have you have you seen the new? Have you gotten to play with GeForce Now at all? Okay, fair enough. Uh, yes, I have. Um, I always forget about it though, which is probably not great for their branding. I mean, they're still in beta, free beta, but uh, FYI for our listeners, you can you can sign up for free, and GeForce Now works really well. I mean, you have to. I think you have to buy the game, so you're not getting a free game, but you're getting you're getting access to basically a, a GPU in the cloud, and you can play it on any PC that you want or on a Mac. So you or, know they were or to any of their Shield hardware, right? I mean, they were showing uh, at CES. They so they had just released this for PC the beta for PC. It was only Mac previously. Mm -hmm. 
and they showed it and they were showing us like an HP stream. That's like the cheapest Windows computer you can get. Uh-huh. It's like a hundred eighty dollar computer with Celeron and four gigs of RAM, uh, maybe two gigs of RAM, whatever. And and they were able to play like really hardcore games on it. Indeed. Why? Because they're they're streaming it from the cloud and they do such a good job of streaming that you don't have you even have a decent internet connection. You don't have the latency that is going to make the game impossible to play. So, um, so if you look at that, uh, I mean, why wouldn't Google want to be in this game? Well, in fairness, OnLive worked real well too, and it was a commercial failure three or four times. Um, the thing that became PlayStation Now worked very well, and it was a commercial failure until Sony bought it and integrated it into the PlayStation 4. Um, there have been great services. I mean, we interviewed a new company who's trying to get into the space uh, in um, uh, Eureka Park this year. But only only Sony has had any has had any success with it. And the only reason that they've done that is because they integrated it into their dedicated hardware. See, this is an interesting question. I wonder I often wonder whether the industry would really be happy with this. Like this is not this would make our lives a little more boring, although a great convenience for for the consumer if you all of a sudden didn't need good graphics on your on your local computer. Sure. Like I could see so obviously Sony thought that there was value behind it because they purchased a company and integrated it. I could see it being the next addition to uh, the Xbox, you know, the, the kind of a combination of the Xbox Play Anywhere and the game time features. If you put those two things together, you end up with a streaming service, which Microsoft has been working on for two years. But they're already the heavy hitters in the market. The, the idea of somebody new, and it doesn't seem to matter who it is, Gamefly was one of the largest names in the video game market. They were, they were I hate this terminology, but it's what they used for themselves, the Netflix of video games, and even they couldn't make it work financially, commercially. Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on what the model, what the licensing model is for Google, what kind of titles they're getting, things like that. GeForce Now is an interesting case because I don't think that you actually, like, I don't think, I think they do have to do something to support each game, but I don't think, I think that, uh, you know, game developers, game, you know, platforms like Steam or whatever, would like something like GeForce Now because they're not having to... People still have to buy the game. It doesn't matter whether the hardware is in the cloud or not. They still have to buy the game and pay the same amount for the game that they would they would if they had their own dedicated hardware. But if you have something like a Gamefly, you know, are, are the companies going to kind of be asked to... Uh, are the publishers not going to be, ha- you know, like it, if it's an all-you-can-eat type of service or whatever, like a Spotify, Netflix type of thing, then then I don't think that's advantageous to publishers because I'm sure that the latest and greatest games either aren't going to be on there or they're going to be asked to 
license them for a lot less than an individual would pay. Sure. With with the obvious exception being if the service was is provided by a publisher, for example, Sony or Microsoft, who can receive the direct benefit out of it. Right. So, I mean, you know, actually it would be interesting for Steam to do something like this themselves, you know. They're probably, as far as I'm, for me, I see this being, if Google tries to get into this, I can see that being an on-live kind of thing, that it would be their next Google wave that just wouldn't go. Um, But I can see if somebody, if somebody without dedicated hardware, because I'm not going to consider the eight steam machines that were sold to be dedicated right. hardware. Um, <laughs> uh, so a company without, if a company without dedicated hardware was going to succeed in it, it would be valve for sure. Right. Cause they have the content and the content is the content is what matters. Yeah. Um, so, so looking at, um, looking at NVIDIA, the GeForce now thing, uh, it's eight dollars a month. Sixty of the one hundred titles come included. Forty are an additional charge. Really? Because that, that's interesting. Because the Mac version right now, the Mac and PC version right now is free in beta. Like it's going to be eight dollars. Yeah, that's because because this has been available on the Shield for a little while. Oh, that's what right. That's what you had to get on the Shield. Yeah. Yeah. This this was one of the ways that you could play games on the Shield. And the the eight dollar a month thing, I can't imagine that they're going to have different prices depending on where you are. So I'm just going to assume that when it goes to market, it'll fall under the existing eight dollars a month. But uh, like Bioshock is included, but uh, Batman Arkham Knight is not. Right. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think Bi- BioShock is included, BioShock 2 is not. <laughs> to put that <laughs> I kind of don't want I mean this is very selfish of me, but I kind of don't want these to succeed too much because it kind of takes all the fun out of the hardware. You know, like who would buy if who would buy a gaming laptop? Who would buy, you know, who would trick out their who would custom build a cool a cool desktop if all if instead you could pay i don't know $10 a month or something to have you know a set fee to have all your stuff in the cloud and sure. then use it on whatever whatever cheap piece of whatever cheap computer you want you know why would you you know why would you pay all that money for all that processing power on your desk uh, when you could just pay a small amount and and stream from the cloud. You would definitely see a, uh, a probably an increase in gaming accessories again. Yeah, I mean, obviously the things that you touch really matter. So like your screen, nobody, you know, people will still want a great screen. Yes. People will still want a great keyboard. People will still want a great uh, gaming mouse. They will still or, want controllers. I would say or controllers, yeah. <clears throat> but, but, you know, why would you... Why would you spend sure. like three thousand dollars on a gaming laptop to get GTX 1080 uh-huh. uh, graphics or whatever when you could spend you know a few dollars a month to get access to that and then when GTX 1080 is no longer the best thing in a year or two, 
uh, you know, presumably the cloud service will upgrade and, you sure. know. <clears throat> sure. Now, obviously, I 100% agree with that sentiment. On the other hand, let me play the other side uh, on on NVIDIA's side for a moment in particular. Uh, this would certainly take some uh, some strain off of them in the current marketplace where they can't produce graphics cards fast enough to support both gamers and cryptocurrency miners. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is that really what you really, what you want is to, is to not be, is to, is to lower the demand for your product? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it depends. You know, if you're selling a, if you're selling a hundred, hundred and fifty dollar, uh, graphics card or you can charge ten dollars a month for 12 months the recurring revenue is uh is definitely uh something yeah. that that investors are more interested in seeing is recurring rather than one time yeah yeah i mean i think i think that's their advantage plus if it's another player like google they still have to buy the graphics cards from somewhere true so, true although in fairness yeah. my uh Google's been getting into designing their own chips and chipsets lately, so there's kind of no telling what weird market they'll get into at any given time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Plus, you have efficiencies in the cloud, right? I mean, you don't necessarily have to have one GPU for every user, right? You so can, you can cluster, or uh, you can either cluster users or hardware, depending on what it is you're doing. One user could get multiple GPUs or one GPU could get multiple users if they're playing something like Worms. <laughs> it, yeah, doesn't right. it doesn't require something powerful, but if you are playing something powerful, you could you could uh, up what the uh, the user is experiencing or you could you could have multiple tiers. Yeah, there's there's definitely some possible benefit in that case to somebody like NVIDIA. But not, I don't think so much for Google. I think it's a weird move for Google. Um, if you're curious about how serious they are about this, they considered releasing the service for holiday 2017. So that's how serious they are about it. My guess is we will hear some rumblings about it at Google I.O. this year. Just a guess. Um, it'll probably be where we see it happened. I don't know why they delayed a holiday 2017, probably because they didn't want to get lost in the, the hype that Nintendo kind of owned for the holidays this year. Uh, <laughs> with Maybe with it wasn't ready. Maybe. Uh, maybe they didn't have enough partnerships to have enough content to justify releasing the anything. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're trying to build partnerships to build hardware like Valve tried to do with uh, the Steam machines where they don't want to be responsible for hardware. Who knows? Wait. Yeah, it's it's all speculation based on a very small amount of information that somebody talked to the press with. So uh, we will have to wait for Google's official announcement on it, because as you would expect, no comment. Everybody wants to be in the gaming business, though, wherever I go, whoever I meet with hardware vendors, software vendors, everybody likes the gaming business because it's a high margin business. There's really passionate consumers. Yeah. Uh, so everybody wants to be in the gaming business, whether they have the gamer DNA or not. Yeah. And I would <laughs> not say that Google has gamer DNA. Uh, so, 
you know, everybody wants to be in that business. So why why not Google? My, I mean, Microsoft wants to be in that business. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true, but you know, they they got into the business what 18, 16 years ago. Yeah, they they've been when, in the business for a long time. When there and they was keep expanding it, but they did it when there was a gap. They they did it when there was, you know, the as uh, Sega was creating a, a a gap in the industry. Microsoft went, we can fill that gap. Today, there's no gap. Nintendo looked yeah. like maybe they were gonna create one, but the Switch came back and is the fastest selling gaming console of all time. So <clears throat> it would be a weird time to try and get into it today, I think. You know, uh, Valve tried to do it when there was a, a gap in the space. Uh, w- people were concerned about Windows 8. Um, and NVIDIA tried to do it as phones kind of sucked. And so they were trying to create a, a handheld gaming. Yeah, you know, But there's no gap for Google to try and slip in. So I think it's a weird time. Maybe that's why they didn't try and do it in the holidays. Maybe they think there's a gap that's going to open. Who knows? We'll... We'll see in the future, though. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to invasion of the animal people. Can't make these things up. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live with a movie as bad as invasion of the animal people. It's probably on Netflix. Um, but of course, from time to time, they do some uh, some live events. They've got some uh, new ones uh, on the horizon, from what we understand. They have not announced what the full lineup will be. Uh, but they do have a deal this week. The wonderful land of Oz is available for $2 off. You can find the deal and all of their films and shorts by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. The Wonderful Land of Oz. That's a story in the franchise I'm unaware of. <laughs> anyway, um, so it looks like maybe 2018 is going to be the year of gigabit internet. If you've been watching the Olympics, you have probably seen, even if you're not a charter, um, a Comcast customer, you've probably seen the advertising that Comcast has been doing for their what they're calling gig speed uh, internet, which... They're planning on rolling out to a number of customers, but not to be outdone. Charter, who is the number two largest uh, cable company in the U.S., thanks to a couple of acquisitions uh, last year and the year before, uh, has announced that of their, I believe the number I saw was 50 million uh, residential uh, homes that they serve, 40 million of those customers will be receiving uh, the option for gigabit internet speeds in by the end of this year, which is kind of exciting for uh, most charter customers. I am a charter customer who is in the 10 million who will not be uh, <laughs> covered, which is very disappointing. <clears throat> uh, maybe they'll do a second rollout in 2019 or something. 
I did find it interesting that while Tampa and Orlando were not covered, Hawaii was, which seems like a pretty expensive uh, market to try and upgrade your speeds in. But the thing you need to know about cable companies going to gigabit connections is that the current uh, uh, communication standard that they use does not allow the hardware does not allow for uh, symmetrical speeds. So if you sign up for a gigabit plan with uh, either Charter or Comcast, know that your down speeds and your up speeds will be very different. I do not know what Comcast speeds will be, but Charters will be uh, gig down and only 35 up, which is the same as I have currently, which is pretty annoying because the reason I would want to switch is so that I can up the video quality for those of you watching live. But that wouldn't work for me, which makes me sad. However, a future version of the standard will allow for uh, symmetrical. And once they've got the bandwidth to do it, everything will be good. So are you still, uh, do you fall under charter, Avram? No, no, I'm on Fios. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, I'm on Fios. And I was just looking it up here. I don't, th- yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's a way. I noticed that Fios is advertising that they're going to have gigabit or something. Okay. But the highest speed that they offer right now, at least in my area, is 150 uh, megabit per second. Okay. But I guess the question is, at what point does this matter? Right. Like, because is that going to fix your latency? Or is that just pure throughput where, you know, if you only need, you know, 50 megabit per second to broadcast your video, but the real problem is, you know, that you're not really getting good latency. You've got a 300 millisecond ping or more. Is that really going to, is that really going to help you or is it just kind of showing off? Right, right. Exactly. Is it, is it putting a, uh, uh, a 450 horsepower engine in a jalopy. You know, I, I mean, I don't know what the relationship is from one to the other. Is there any relationship between having good ping and having good, good throughput? Not necessarily. Right. I mean, obviously if you are on a modem, then you have a problem, (laughs) but you know, if the, if the bottleneck is not, the bottleneck might not be the connect might not be the throughput. Right, exactly. Um, but you know, for for some applications, for example, bi-directional game streaming, having having more bandwidth could allow for going from 1080 to 4K, for example. It might allow for more capability on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and the, those those things for an average consumer. Um, obviously, not having symmetrical speeds right now means that for me, there's zero benefit. Um, however, what I'll say uh, is interesting is the pricing model that they're planning. I know what I pay for a, a 300 megabit connection right now. And Charter is talking about, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Charter markets their service under the name Spectrum, 
uh, you may not be aware of that. So Charter and Spectrum are one and the same. Uh, Charter bought uh, Time Warner Cable, not Time Warner, Time Warner, but Time Warner Cable and uh, Bright House and one other company in 2016 and 2017 and rebranded their service as Spectrum. Anyway, um, they're talking about uh, prices for gigabit starting in your first 12 months with a, a, uh, a bonus price of 105 and going up to 125 for gigabit speed. I pay more than that for 300 right now. I'd be, I'd be all in if it meant that my bill goes down. They offer a speed above mine, and they wanted to charge me another $100 a month for the speed above mine. I'd, I'd be good for this if it, I get faster speeds and my, uh, my uh, price goes down. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, no, no doubt, no doubt. I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about because, like, I had 25 megabit per second, and then I got an upgrade last year from 25 to 75, and honestly, I haven't noticed a difference. It, I mean, I guess if I had more devices concurrently doing things on the internet, maybe that's where the difference comes in. Or you were doing, or you were doing a lot of bandwidth intensive stuff all at once. Yes. But, you know, uh, stuff happens. Like, so for example, I was just looking this up. So 75 MBP megabit per second is what I have now. Okay. That should mean that I get 562 megabytes per minute. Right. So the other that means I should be able to get a gigabyte every, you know, minute and 50 seconds or something. Right. The other day, yesterday, my son was on the PlayStation and he had to, and the PlayStation wanted to download a 7.5 gigabyte update. Uh huh. It was going to take well over an hour yep. to do that. So I had the bandwidth according to the bandwidth that I have that should take no more than like. 15 you know 13 minutes or something right. you had but a, you had the bandwidth but that doesn't mean that that sony was going to push at the speed that that you can uh consume at right so i so i mean that i guess that's my point is like in order for these high speeds to really be worth something you have to the every link in the chain has to be high speed as well exactly absolutely uh in general it's it's actually kind of why I've I've found, you know, when Google Fiber was installing gigabit speeds, I kept laughing at people who were all excited about it because, like you said, for most people, it's never going to affect anything because the whole the whole network has to be upgraded for it to mean anything because YouTube doesn't push at a gigabit a second up. So you're not going to receive from YouTube at a gigabit a second down. Netflix doesn't. Nobody does. Even if they did, I mean, there's all these other points in the the chain, right? Absolutely. Because you don't know where you're going to get routed through. That's that's the way the internet works. Things get routed. It's why why I always tell people don't send anything that matters through email. (laughs) Now, I mean, it's progress. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice that... These are. It's nice that people are getting this amount of bandwidth because sure. hopefully, at other points, the fact that people have it at other points in the, you know, in the routing, hopefully, will get faster too. And Absolutely. You'll you'll know that there's not nothing on your end stopping it, but you know the 
that people are going to get excited that, wow, it's going to be so fast. Uh, right. I mean, I guess what's good about that is if you've got like, you know, a family of like five people and they're all watching a streaming, you know, sure. Streaming 4K video or something, they could all do it. Sure. Without a problem. Sure. But, or, or if you're using your NVIDIA Shield on, on NVIDIA Now or GeForce Now. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's right. I mean, I but think yeah, I, the, the idea that the infrastructure is starting to see an upgrade to that next level, I think is, is a great thing. Um, because like you said, you know, every, every link has to be upgraded, but you know, it has to start somewhere and it looks like, it looks like, uh, charter and Comcast are one of the places where it's going to start. So yeah, I guess, on them. I guess, I guess what I'm saying to the audience is I wouldn't really pay extra for that. Yeah, definitely don't pay more for it because it's not going to, especially since your up speed isn't going to go anything above 35 for at least, my guess is for at least a year. Uh, uh, see, now mine is 75 up and down, yes, so I guess because, that's better. Because fiber has the ability to have uh, symmetrical speeds. Uh, yeah. co- cable, copper, does not have the ability for uh, symmetrical speeds right now but only because of the communication standard that the cable industry is using. I think they're using version 3.1 of their standard. I think 3.2 is supposed to introduce symmetrical speeds. However, it's probably going to require new hardware. So, Yeah, and you want symmetrical speeds, everyone, because, I mean, that's how you're going to do things like have video calls. Yes. So, I want you really need that. Sure. Yeah, you, you really need that upload speed. I, I know that like a lot of places, they think of their like this classic cable move. They think of people as being consumers. So, oh, they're just going to passively watch stuff, send things down to them. But, you know, this yep. is this is 2018. People don't <laughs> just use the Internet for 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 for, for, for downloading stuff yeah. for consumption. They they make things. They communicate. There, you know, there's a lot of content creators, not just content content consumers. So symmetrical speeds are a big deal. I mean, I I know that tonight when I upload this show, it does not matter. Well, to two of the three services that the video files get uploaded to, um, I max my network connection out. My network, my up speed is my bottleneck for uploading to both uh, Microsoft Azure and to YouTube. It is not my bottleneck for Facebook. Facebook is. But for for uploading files to YouTube and uh, and Microsoft Azure, I max my network speed. <clears throat> so I'd love to have more than 35. I offered, when it was Bright House, I offered to give them 100 meg down back if they'd give me 10 more up. <laughs> <laughs> They told me they couldn't do it, <laughs> which made me sad. Anyway, um, the reason the reason to be excited about this is that, uh, in the honestly, the reason why I care about this is it's the first step of two in getting better upload speeds into the uh, into the cable communication standard, which for most honest to God for for most people having the ability to have symmetrical upload and download speeds 
uh, on cable is a big deal. And having a network that can support gigabit uh, makes that symmetrical possible. So good on you guys. Um, I just wish that Tampa and Orlando was one of your markets. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Obviously, we all know Amazon Prime offers free shipping sometimes uh, same day, depending on uh, what it is you're ordering and where you are. And included in that now is the uh, the two-hour uh, Whole Foods delivery, which just launched in four cities. But what you may not know is all of the other cool stuff that you can get as well. Did you know that you can get Amazon Prime Music, which is several million tracks available for free on your uh, on your devices, included in your Prime subscription, and Amazon Prime Video, which works the same way. Movies and TV shows, including original content like Man in the High Castle, um, available as part of your subscription. And if you use Twitch, uh, you get one free subscription per month uh, to help financially support some of your favorite streamers. There's other uh, features like Prime Photos, which is unlimited photo storage, which we talked a number of weeks ago about uh, wanting to back up all your photos on your phone before your manufacturer bricks it on accident. Uh, and to find out about all of the features that uh, come along with Amazon Prime and to sign up for a free 30-day trial if you do not currently have it, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash prime. So speaking of uh, YouTube, in our last segment there, let's talk about YouTube. Uh, they've had, <laughs> kind of had a rough 12 months from uh, a content curation standpoint, let's say. Um, we've, we've talked a number of times about you know all of the social sites, whether it be YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, and their desire to stay away from the curation process because it puts a lot of uh, uh, problems into the works. But YouTube has kind of been demanded. Well, all of them have, you know, with the fake news stuff and all. Anyway, um, YouTube is facing its own interesting problem in that some of their top content producers um, are idiots. And by that, <laughs> I... I mean, we had uh, PewDiePie last year who paid a group of, I think it was one or two uh, African men to hold a anti-Semitic sign for a video. And obviously that created problems for everybody involved. But YouTube took quick action, Disney took quick action, and you don't really hear about him anymore. Until the last couple of weeks, when you have uh, the new version of him, uh, Logan Paul, who pulls the same kind of weird crap. And a couple of weeks ago, if you've been anywhere on the internet, you probably know that a couple of weeks ago, he was in Japan and he um, insulted the Japanese people to their faces in their home country, made a video and published it. And uh, YouTube did nothing about that. Uh, and then... In another video, he went to what is 
colloquially known as the suicide forest. It's like the second or third uh, most common place on the planet for people to kill themselves where he encountered a body, filmed a video, which was kind of mocking and published it. And YouTube didn't do anything about it for several days until the online rage had kind of exploded. And then they <sighs> responded in a way that was weird. And then Logan Paul went away for a couple of weeks uh, after posting a, a an apologetic video. And then he came back with a video in which he uh, uses a taser on a rat. So he didn't learn anything. But what YouTube did was responded quickly to that video. Not so much the suicide video, but responded to the tasing of a dead rat video uh, by removing all ads from his platform. So the question has been to YouTube, what the hell are your policies? What are the guidelines? Can we, can we know what's going to get people in trouble and maybe uh, apply them? And so this week, especially in response to the Logan Paul incident, YouTube has re uh, released official guidelines on community guidelines on what is and is not acceptable uh, on YouTube. And as you would expect from YouTube, they are um, fascinatingly vague <laughs> and um, will likely continue to play this, um, this censorship whack-a-mole game that, that YouTube has been playing for the last year or so, which is, bizarre I, I I think they either need to make a decision that they're going to be content curators or not what do you think Abram not would be easier for sure obviously I mean, obviously they'd have to respond to DMCA takedown requests and maybe yes because that's a legal requirement and maybe right. maybe some sort of a community guideline like manual pro like if people go in like they used to like people say this video has a problem this is what it is and after it gets a certain number of complaints they go take a look at it i maybe if they go back to the old way instead of trying to be proactive maybe it would be easier for them i or think better. i, I think know. they're responding to publicity yeah i think they're responding to negative publicity um i i don't think that they really want to do it, but I think they I think they're responding to negative publicity. <sighs> sort of like periodically Twitter responds to negative publicity. <laughs> it starts kicking people off or saying for being bullies or racists or threatening people or all these horrible things. And they and they release community guidelines which you don't hear about again for another six months until somebody says something and the internet goes crazy. It's you know what I I do feel some sympathy for the for the for uh, for YouTube and for and even for Twitter in these cases. Absolutely, they want to they want to be platform providers. I don't think that they want to be publishers. I don't think that they want to be responsible for the content. Um, to to an extent, know, to an extent. Now, to be fair, YouTube does have a very specific curation process in YouTube Red, right? Um, where they they literally are content producers with their partners, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about YouTube Prime, the thing that we think of when we think of YouTube. 
You know what though? Here's who they really have to respond to. Actually, it's not it's not the press. It's advertisers. Yes, it is. Advertisers do not. So, you know, probably most people listening to this, watching this, know this, but advertising is extremely automated in 2018. So. I don't think there are too many advertisers, and I have not set up an ad account on YouTube to run ads, so I don't say this with great authority, but I don't think there are too many advertisers who say, I want to buy, run my video pre-rolls uh, on Logan Paul videos. Right. I think they say, I want to run my video pre-rolls on, video, on videos that reach a certain audience uh-huh. or videos that channels are of that a have genre Channels that have a certain number of subscribers. Yeah. Right, like all that stuff. I they don't say I you know, they don't say Logan Paul, I want to be on him. I mean, sure. maybe they could, but I, I, I my guess is that it, it companies is, that are buying don't care that much. I would say it is a capability for channels as large as Logan Paul's or PewDiePie's where an advertiser can say I specifically want to advertise with this person, but yeah, the in general, the the advertising filters are about what they are on Facebook. You can talk about, you know, all kinds of statistics about the viewer gender and location and, you know, all kinds it's, of stuff like that. But, yeah, they're, they're not usually saying, I want to advertise with Logan Paul. Yeah, it's called programmatic advertising, right. and it's everywhere on the Internet, whether it's YouTube or or even a site like uh, like Tom's Guide that I work for. Sure. A lot of our ads are programmatically purchased. Sure. You know, they're not necessarily saying I want to be on this article and I want to be on the, or even on or even necessarily on this website. Sure. Uh, so, so you know, that's where advertise. That's where Google has to step in because if you're an advertiser and your ad starts running on this content. Now all of a sudden you're going to be mad at Google. Sure. Like I don't want my brand associated with this. Right. It, right. It was so, the it was the outrage that happened last year over um, uh, ads showing up on uh, ISIS related content on YouTube. Right. So that's the thing. Like you don't want your ad showing up on a certain place. So it's more about the outrage of the advertiser, I think. Than the outrage of of the viewer, For sure. although one 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 somewhat affects the other because they don't want to be seen as supporting this. I Advertisers mean, don't want to be seen by viewers as supporting this type of content. Sure, Verizon doesn't want their customers creating their potential customers creating a boycott of Verizon because a Verizon ad ran before the the rat taser. Right, so. You know, yes, companies, marketers are very risk averse. um, And, uh, you know, this is a risk they really don't need to take. For sure. (laughs) It's and and I'm 100 percent with you. I feel a lot of sympathy for for the networks in this case. I I have personally had user generated content platform ideas before and ignored them (laughs) because I don't want to get into the content curation space. And it happened. If you get popular, it happens. You don't have a choice. 
at some point you have to respond to stuff and and this is YouTube who doesn't want to be playing that game having to respond to stuff that they don't want to. Yeah, I think they also kind of want to have their kick and eat it too though because they want to upscale as well. They want to be, you know, sell subscriptions to YouTube Red. Sure. They want to get, you know, name brand some name brand content on sure. there. And but, and Logan Paul used to be one of those uh, name brand content that was on YouTube Red and is no longer. Who watches this stuff? I don't know. Teenagers, from what I understand about Logan Paul, his like his because uh, he's only twenty two. His uh, like average subscriber is like nineteen or something like that. With with a bunch of thirteen and fourteen year olds skewing that number lower. So just the just the people that advertise, just the people with all the disposable income that advertisers want to reach. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, not not. You, I think I think advertisers want to reach are generally uh, people who are like twenty two to thirty five. <laughs> so so his age, yeah. huh? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. You know, <laughs> just you know, just old enough to have a credit to have a credit card, but not old enough to have had it long enough to have ruined their credit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, um, I definitely feel bad for, for YouTube on this. But on the other hand, they have other markets where they actively like censor and demonetize and stuff, um, which I find fascinating. So, you know, sometimes I don't feel like they don't want to be uh, in that space because if you're, for example, if you're, uh, if you're video or description uses the word gun even if you're a news show uh they'll demonetize the content so they definitely seem like there's a particular level of wanting to be in that space um despite the fact that like if they wanted to run ads on gun videos it's a lucrative space but whatever um it's they're an interesting company with with policies that are not evenly enforced. And I think that's where the concern is here. I'd like to see them come up with some policies and stop playing the whack-a-mole game. That's, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. It's, it's hard because you, it's hard to have hard and fast policies and then you open yourself up to a lot of problems. That's why things are probably written somewhat vaguely uh, because it makes it more difficult. Sure. Yeah. And it gives them some legal uh, wiggle room if they don't respond to something fast enough that, well, you know, it, it didn't quite fit our thing yet. And now it does. And so we've responded to it. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who have joined us live. We've got a number of uh, live viewers and uh, we've got a particular uh friend in our live stream chat room uh Juan who has been a viewer for a long time and has been gone for a while and it's good to have him back um so hey Juan <laughs> so thank you to uh those of you who joined us live if you can't join us live that is okay pluckitslive.com slash join us from there or uh slash subscribe from there you can see all of our shows and uh subscribe to them our ces content is just about done but that does not mean that the fun will be ending uh the content is 
a lot of that content is for con for uh, products that aren't coming out yet. So <laughs> they will be important all year long. And then we are working with a, uh, a new partner for a new series, which I'm very excited about. And then uh, over the next couple of weeks, Abram's got a really cool complex article coming to laptopmag.com. And uh, we've got our cryptocurrency uh, article coming to pluckitslive.com in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that as well. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao. Yeah.